This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week I spoke with Professor Techers. We talked about everything that went on in So Rare this week, restructuring galleries, we had a look at the rewards and we answered lots of your questions. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Professor Techers, it has been a long time since we spoke, about seven months. I was absolutely shocked. I was sending before we recorded. It felt like three or four months. It's been since the 16th of July. Um, so I think it's long overdue since she came back. How are you? Very well. Yeah, I agree. I, it felt like it was far, far more recent than July. That's for sure. You were, you were supposed to come on since then, but you threw the toys out of the pram. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I was trying to be uh, <laughs> trying to be positive, you know. You didn't want to come on and just shit and so rare, so you decided not to come on. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, you know, as much as as much as people do want to dive into my uh, my mentions on Twitter and uh, and have a go at you know me moaning, uh, I just felt that day I just wouldn't be able to strike any form of balance because I really was mm. quite annoyed. So. But look, it's a, it's a while since then. We'll get into the rewards a bit later because that's probably what a few people associate you with. The great work you do, um, keeping so rare in check. Not that it works, but <laughs> you, you try. <laughs> um, we have a few things to talk about, but for people, do you know, I'd say we have a lot of new listeners over the last seven months who might never have heard of you before. Um, do you want to give them an idea of where you're at, how long you've been on so rare, just so they know a bit about you and if you are a unique guy, if you're a limited guy, that type of vibe? Absolutely. Uh, I have been playing since last March, so we'll be coming up to my one-year anniversary very shortly. Um, for me, I'm—I wouldn't really say I'm—I'm I'm any type of guy with regards to scarcities. What I do really like to find is value. So I—I I really do scout. You know, go quite deep into scouting of players that maybe haven't broken out yet, and really look to try and find players before their, their L5 turns bright green in an attempt to, you know, strengthen my squads on a budget and then also look at, you know, potential profiting opportunities through the on-selling of those players. Mm. Yeah, it's safe to say you're very, very data-driven and that sort of data background and, and stats and whatever else has, has been quite mm -hmm. profitable, I'm sure. And on top of that, you've, you've put that to good good use in tracking the rewards and everything else but in terms of what we're going to speak about today there's a lot of great questions as always from people so thank you so much for those um we're going to have a little discussion about restructuring galleries um i think i'm notoriously hilarious at it um i can admit that <laughs> and that's a nice way of putting it maybe set up shit at it is a better way but um i can't hold an eth balance but we'll get on to that we're going to talk about there hasn't been much has happened in the world of so rare over the last week um and yeah, there's loads of questions. We'll play the 137 game and yeah, we'll see how we get on. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds good. So look, in terms of what's happened on So Rare, I mean, maybe you can think of some things, but there's nothing in their announcements. There's been nothing big has come out, I don't think. 
Um, there is a wee bit of drama about rewards. We'll get to that. Um, but they've removed the ability to put ETH into usernames, isn't it? Yeah, I just... It's something or nothing. Like, I'm actually... What I find... Not funny, because it's obviously just people trying to take advantage of others not paying attention. But every time we see these like wannabe scam ideas, the more that they're mentioned in the Discord, the more that it seems to encourage other people to try it. So, mm. you know, brilliant. You know, so rare I've addressed it. It's just something or nothing to me, to be honest. Like, mm. just pay attention, I think, is probably the the advice to everyone here. You know, they, they did actually, to be fair, I did notice this week, I don't think they made an announcement on it, but I did notice they've changed the UX around direct offers to other I've managers. Yeah. So it's significantly more visual, which I think is another area where people may have made mistakes. So I think, yeah, it's it's good. It's it's not spectacular, but it's nice, you know, that Sorare are addressing um, those areas where people might make mistakes. Was that only on mobile? Because last night I went to make an offer and it came up with a whole new kind of UX around it. And I found it a bit annoying personally, but that's just because I wasn't used to it yet. And mm. now when I'm on Sorare on desktop, clicking around, it isn't there, but... Um, that sort of direct offer they all have it kind of have it on one page now where you're not clicking through different little pages yeah possibly they are um they might be testing it at the moment so it could yeah. just be an a b test based on device ids which is why you've got it on one and not on another well there we go um but look they're at least they're doing something in the background and uh, we haven't heard a lot from them in a long time it has been a while since we've had any update on look do you know they stick out in a Halland for auction that's something i wanted to ask you about I think someone's asked us about it. We'll get to that. The amount of massive auctions that are left. YNWA made a post about the amount of humongous uniques that haven't actually been auctioned yet. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, it's all been quite quiet for a while, has it? Or am I forgetting something massive? I think we all, because we live and breathe it so much and we're, we're constantly in the trenches, particularly, I don't know, me and content creators anyway, and I'm sure most people who listen to this podcast, but like maybe you do kind of forget how things are getting done or do you not? Like, I feel like I haven't heard anything from them in a long time. Am I being a dick? Have I heard something? No, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think they, you know, I know there were some messages in the past about not wanting to overpromise and mm. underdeliver. So I think for the past few months, we just haven't had any promises. The best way not to underdeliver is just to not promise anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it feels like, and I saw as well in the questions, there was one about the progress bar, but it, it does feel, honestly, in terms of communication from so rare, it, it does feel like it has been quiet. It so has hopefully, been very quiet. Hopefully, we've got something exciting coming next week. Hopefully. Um, Do you know, hopefully. it's one of those, like, because I'm talking about it every week. And I mean, each week recently, I feel like I've been saying nothing mad's happened this week. And I mean, like, you know what? There's the Serena Williams. Like, that's That's a nice thing, but it's not really like a like a thing to do with the game that we all play, you know, or like, you know, it's like, or like, oh, we're going to hire 200 people in 2022. It's like, oh, that's exciting, but it doesn't really affect me in the short term right now in terms of the game and the engagement for the platform and how broken so many different things are. There, there's a lot that needs done. Um, There's yeah. so much that needs done. I don't know. I just feel like I haven't heard anything in a long time. I don't know if everyone else is feeling that or if it's just because, as I say, every single day I'm trying to make content and keep my eye on them yeah. so maybe it just feels like it's been longer than it has 
No, I think it's fair. And I think, you know, for a while people have been asking, you know, when the next uh, Ask Me Anything is going to be. I think yeah. just generally it just feels like, you know, I understand they've been very focused on hiring. They've been focused on opening the New York office, which actually, you know, it is a good thing because I think all a lot of the issues that, you know, I know obviously I'm very well known for being frustrated about the rewards, but a lot of the stuff I think just does come back to hiring and, and getting enough of uh, enough top quality people on the project to be able to push them to the next stage of growth. So mm. I think seeing getting good advisors and getting more people into the team is great, but uh, I appreciate that it doesn't, you know, have an immediate impact. So for people that are playing the game day in, day out, it feels like not a lot's happened. Mm. And I think as well is one thing I will say is it feels like the special weeklies have been quite flat for a while. So it, it doesn't yeah. even feel like they, they, they do have levers to sort of engage and, you know, excite the community, but it just feels like even stuff like that has been a little bit repetitive and, and sort of feeling the same, which just kind of gives you, I suppose, a bit of a feeling that we're in a holding pattern until the next sort of big announcement happens, mm -hmm. whatever that may be. Who knows? It has. It's been quiet, but hopefully it's soon. Like I really want it to be soon. I feel like there's enough excitement. There's enough people joining the platform now that if they could put the foot in the gas and sort of do something that's exciting and that gets people talking and I don't know, makes it more engaging. I don't know. Speaking of engagement, do you know something that I think will come inevitably? So rare con. I've spoken about this before. Do you know it? It's destined to happen, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I'm asking you this yeah. for a reason. What are your thoughts on so rare con? Yeah. I yeah. Think. I bought the domain SoRareCon.com. Boom. So rare. Come and get it from me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so this what a waste of money. So rarecon. <laughs> this is just you shilling a website that you've bought. Uh, literally, yeah. Yeah. SoRareCon.com, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, baby. Boom. Yeah. It'd be It'd interesting be so to see. If you're listening, I'm here, baby. I'm willing to take offers. <laughs> Sorry, techers. I'm cutting in on you. <laughs> I actually bought some other ones. Uh, while you're talking there, I'll go and find all the so rare domains I own. Oh, wow. Here we go. Yeah, it's funny. It's actually really What other funny. ideas are you going to shill based on what you I swear own? to God. <laughs> Why don't you trade uh, it for Wesley or something like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, gee. Hey, enough of that. I actually have a great idea for something, but I'm not going to share it. Um, so, sorry. What were you going to say? I'm not sure now. You've thrown me off my I'm off my groove with your uh, your shilling of random random domains. Have you bought SoRareCon.eth though? Is that's the question, or have you just gone? You've gone Web 2.0 with your domain name. I went, I've went Web 2.0 with them all. I've went Web 2.0. I need to switch to three. Oh my god, I'm such a dick. So I'll tell you all the like the the 2.0 ones I have ready already. So I obviously have SoFarSoRare.com. I've got SoRareBlog.com. You know. Maybe MDJ wants to come in for that. Maybe you want to come in for that. I don't know. I'm willing to accept offers. SoRareCon.com, which has a nice ring to it. SoRareMoments.com. What the fuck would that be used for? I don't know, but it felt like a good idea at the time. SoRarePod.com. SoRarePodcast.com. SoRareStats.com. In case someone comes in to try and compete with data. Who knows? SoRareVlog.com. A eh, bit of a stupid one, really. Who the fuck's going to go there to watch a vlog? You'll go to YouTube. And SoRareWeekly.com. Wow. Yeah. I mean, next pod, live auction. Who wants them? Live, do you know, I, don't, I, I actually don't think it'll last that long. I think um, a bottle board will come in with a big offer. 
Wow. Or yeah, you can hope. I mean, I, I have noticed you didn't have SoraHQ.com. Bastard, here uh, we go. Is it available? Uh, Do you think it's available? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> did you notice that they changed their Twitter handle from SoraHQ to So Rare? And yeah, then must have forgot to keep hold of Sora HQ. So someone else has napped in and got it and then put their own referral link underneath. I seen that, yeah. I seen that. I did actually. Oh, um HQ.com is taken. Oh, wow. But um okay. anyway, I've derailed this massively. We were talking about engagement. I think it is kind of interesting what you say around the special weeklies, because they have been very flat. I feel like I don't know how everyone else's galleries were, whether and I mean, do you know what? It's good to reward people who built for the AFCON, but like I had like maybe one or two AFCON players, maybe three, got knocked out early. The only one who went all the way was Koulibaly. And I, it just wasn't, I wasn't going to go buy him players for it and all. And like maybe if they had like cool, like in the early days of it, maybe if they could give like tickets to the final for the winner of the first weekly a month ago or something, you know, some big grand prize or like some, mm-hmm. something exciting, a signed shirt by the winning team or a, experience this or some AFCON cards, like limited mm-hmm. edition cards, something really fun and engaging and collectible or something I want. Mm-hmm. I don't know, a tier two super or a tier two super. I actually haven't looked at what the rewards were, but that's what I'm assuming they were. Just like, yeah. I'm not going to go and buy an African team for that and follow the special weekly like. But yeah, maybe it is the same because it felt like the La Liga special was genuinely excellent. Like the league, the yeah. league special actually encouraged me to go out and grab a couple of limiteds because I was like, this was fun. This feels momentous. It feels like, you know, there's a bit of strategy in it because I think you needed to have, I think it was five La Liga. It might have been. I think it went like five five and then four and then three or something. Yeah, it was, it was enough La Liga to like make it interesting and like have a scouting challenge. Um, And obviously you've got the, the custom, custom, you got the ticket cards in 202 and you got the, 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 the special edition design cards in, in game week 200. And I think, Straight after that, we had the Bundesliga special. And I was like, oh, brilliant. They're going to do like special design cards again. They just didn't do it. And mm. it kind of felt like they'd raised the bar for that special weekly around La Liga and then just haven't maintained that same level since, which I think was a little bit disappointing. And, you know, I'm I'm not as, you know, I'm, I'm very much someone that focuses on utility over collectability, but it is nice to see the different design cards. And I think mm. the ability to win something that you can't purchase is quite a nice motivator. So I, I did like that factor of the, the league. I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't win, but it was still fun to it was still fun to participate and I'm glad that I did it. Whereas I think particularly the AFCON final, I think you only needed like two AFCON players. So it basically just ended up being limited all-star with a couple of token AFCON players. And and then it just becomes an arms race of like who can stick, you know, Morioka and and Kimmich and Ito mm. into the team. And it, yeah, it just it just felt a bit flat because it just it it wasn't it didn't feel like it was an engaging scouting challenge, which I think like that's what I like about the special weeklies. This is like you're not just setting the same team you would set elsewhere. You have to actually like think about it and have a, a strategy for it. Whereas it just felt that towards the end of the AFCON ones, it just sort of tailed off and it was like, oh yeah, just, I don't know, like throw Kurbali in there with your with your global team and, you know, mm. away you go. Um, so yeah, I don't know, not being too harsh, but I think it's just sort of general symptomatic feeling of at the moment, it just does, you know, it doesn't feel like there's been much happening. 
But like on the special weekly, there's another thing here, and it's not even like we're just being big Debbie Downers and, and trying to have a go at so rare. They quite pointedly said within the last six months, I can't remember when, that they wanted the special weekly to be the go-to part of the week. They wanted that to be the mm. first thing people fill out. They wanted that to be a driver and a fun part of the game, the thing mm. that makes social media and increases engagement. They wanted it to be the standout competition that everyone strives to win. You know, mm. they they they've made this quite clear. I don't know where it is, but I remember hearing it, yeah. and it's just shit. The rewards, the rewards for Special Weekly have taken quite a big jump this week. So I think I looked this morning and it was like fifty-three super rares and thirty rares, which is the highest that I remember for a very long mm. time for Special Weekly. But yeah, you know, you, you need three Austrian players. Um, mm which is which is great but then one of the things that i think is interesting there is that the austrian bundesliga if you look at most of the players there's only about 30 or 40 rare mints so it's not like you know the belgian league or the um the dutch league where you've had two or three seasons worth of cards so there's a lot of choice like the Austrian Bundesliga, there's only 10 teams and we've only got like, you know, 30 or 40 mints for each player. So for me, it does feel like they've kind of potentially gone too far this weekend and there's more rewards than there is actually people that would be able to stick a competitive team into it because not many people have, you know, a, 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 a full Austrian stack just due to the nature of when they were minted and that the fact they're one of the new season mm. cards. Yeah, it's... um. Is it are limited allowed in that? No, they're not. Surprisingly. Wow. Mm. Wow. Okay. I'd be tempted to go and put a team in it this week, just yeah. because I have a uh, Brendan Aronson. I don't even know what his story is, um, and I've got a Johan Handel. I think. So oh I yeah, pick up Austria, more, Vienna. If I could pick up yeah. one more rare, do you know, maybe. But the yeah. bottom line is, the special weeklies are all a bit flat. I mean, I don't know. I am a wee bit more gimmicky and I am a wee bit more collectory in that I'd love some like that I would love the shot at getting a special edition Ariemi type vibe. Do you know? I'd love the shot mm. at that. A limited version, do you know, give us the limited one of stamp something on. I don't even know. But like that yeah. type of stuff. And he, do you know what it is? Even just like a little bit of artwork on the site. You know? Maybe even in the play section here when you go over to Mix and you go to Weekly. At the minute, it's just the standard Purple Weekly. Maybe a little bit of a your standard bog-standard intern graphic designer could bish-bash-bosh three Austrian players' heads on it and slap it in there and get you a bit excited. And you see from looking at it that you need three Austrian players. You know, There's just a bit yeah. more that could be done. And again, it is a bit Debbie Downer. But the bottom line is they are the one that, they're the ones who said it, not me. They're the ones who said they wanted it to be the main focus of the week and also it's like cop on, do you know? Special yeah. weekly. But anyway, bottom yeah. line is I feel like the thing, it doesn't just have to be like, you know, more rewards. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, don't get me wrong, sometimes people dive into my Twitter mentions and be like, Oh, you always complain about rewards. But it's you know, why not experience points? Like imagine if you're you know, you're top two hundred in special weekly and you get, you know, your captain gets two X experience points. Like it doesn't always have to be more rewards, more ETH. It is something that I think adds an extra dynamic to the gameplay. Like I think for me that the, the thing that I would love to see the most is more custom designs. It felt like when I first joined, we had more like, you know, I remember like there was a week where they gave away goalkeepers and there was a week where there was like special edition MLS cards for the winner. It feels like 
that the the amount of those have really reduced. I don't know whether that's due to licensing, whether that's due to you know to time capacity within the team, but it it feels like that's the quick that's the what people really really would love in Special Weekly. And then it's like if you want to drive increased participation, then give a longer tail of rewards. But rewards don't have to be a card, or it could be XP, or it could be you know, get a little bit more creative with it. I think we've just, you know, we have a lot of like elf L5 under 40 to win, you know, tier two super rares. And, mm. but it, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get absolutely panned on Twitter for this for being like, you're always winning. Why are you complaining if you're winning? Um, but, you know, I just think like a lot of, a lot of us hold Soro to a high standard because we care and we want to see them succeed. And I think that there's a lot of stuff like this whereby the community can give them you know, a lot of quite valuable feedback with regards to how to increase that engagement. Because like you said, you know, you've just said there, you know, you, you're now thinking, oh, actually, is it worth me buying another card for this weekend? Like surely there is an opportunity to drive demand, you know, to encourage people to make more purchases, to improve market liquidity through the special weekly. So then it's like, you know, how do they, how do they do that? Do you know, do they put more effort into it? Well, like the employees aren't allowed to play the game, are they? Like, no, no, they're not. Um, which is a big that that's an issue. But um, that just came to my mind. I think like yeah, there's just a lot. I think it's just annoying whenever there's so much talk about so much happening, and I'm sure there is so much happening. Don't get me wrong, but we've been patient for I don't know six eight months now on so many things. Like I remember I sent a message like eight months ago, literally like it was in August I think. Is that eight months ago? That's like six months ago. But a long time ago to like the affiliate manager being like, all right, I basically did a beginner's tutorial earlier this year. I It's about time that needs renewed. Should I do it or should I be waiting? Because like, I know that this progress bar is around the corner. Do you know? And mm-hmm. like, should I just wait until the game completely is overhauled? Do you know? Yeah. That, that six months ago we were expecting a lot of this stuff do you know what i mean so whenever you take that and you really think it to yourself like geez it it's actually been six half a year and there's yeah. so many things and like whatever about the big stuff and progress bars it's the small things that i'm like oh come on guys you can do better than that like and that special weekly i know i'm kind of clinging on to it, but it's like even the artwork that's like I do look at look at my thumbnails on YouTube. They're they're a higher quality than so like, you know that that doesn't take much to get done. It's really not yeah. that hard. Like th- that artwork should be there to make it look pretty and more appetizing. Uh, as with so many other things, I, I don't know. It's like whatever about the big stuff. You've an excuse for the big stuff to an extent, or like time. But like, there's so many little things that are just like, really, do you know? Like, yeah. do you have an excuse for that? Like, come on. The one that I've always found baffling is um, the lack of like so rare owned onboarding content. I, you know, you gotta do, you know, you do have to figure it out for yourself to an extent. And I appreciate the role that the content creators play in this, but I, I find it mad that there's not really any content to explain the game to you when you join. Yeah. And that just, I find that insane. Like, cause that's just I'm timing. Happy. That's literally just like somebody create some videos, create some content to explain it. I'm happy there isn't because then they would get more signups and we would get less. So 
stay away so rare. no but i'm thinking post sign up so i'm thinking about yeah, activation yeah. i'm not thinking about like the acquisition in the sense of getting someone to sign up for so rare in the first point but activation content around how to familiarize somebody with the platform and make increase their propensity to play and to purchase like you know the one thing that always makes me laugh is the discussion around mbappe followers you know i don't see mbappe followers as as a success metric because it highlights the amount of people that follow Mbappe but don't own a card. Mm. So that to me feels like there's a huge, like there's a massive headroom there with regards to growing within the number of users who have signed up but have never purchased a card. So that's what I, I sort of, I think about in terms of onboarding content is regards to once you've got somebody in the door, how do you, build their confidence with regards to playing. But this is mm. just going to be me geeking out on business and data stuff here. So I won't, I won't bore everyone. <laughs> I love this shit. Like, I've just found another example of the small stuff as well, by the way, just to keep going back. The club shop. <laughs> like, it's the small stuff. It really is. Yeah. But in terms mm. of engagement, in terms of a bit of a social media flex, in terms of a bit of crack, like, why not a wee AFCON banner? Yeah, Do you know? Absolutely. Why not? unlock winners banners why not new badges it's been how long and we've still mm -hmm. got the stuff from the euros which was a long time ago mm -hmm. like that's not hard to implement i refuse to believe it is to rejig those like yeah. you have the money get a freelance artist go to fucking fiverr.com you'll have someone for 200 quid <laughs> you know what i mean if you want an actual co collaborate with another nft um producer or collaborate with someone yeah. in the space i don't know there's just like I do think that the ability to export the graphic of your teams was a nice addition, um, yeah. you know, but that's that again, that comes back to those shareable moments. Like how are they creating growth loops by providing content to the user base that the user base actually wants to share and then engages people uh, on a sort of wider basis. But yeah, I might stop Speaking now because otherwise we're going to turn into a proper like, no, it's going to be the Speaking so random yeah. cast. No, right, that, that's us. We're done. We're done with that. Now, rewards are still coming a bit. Park we'll, it. We'll, we'll park that for now. I think, like, look, I and just to kind of close up on that, everyone listening, at least from my perspective anyway, they know me by now, I assume. I have a YouTube channel. I do this. I've invested a lot of money and equipment to go on vlogs. I put a lot of time in. And I'm very, I'm buying all these domains. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm buying all these domains. I have a lot on so rare because I believe in the concept and because I believe in them. So it's just, it's one thing putting the big stuff on the back burner, but the small stuff's inexcusable. And that's just my take on it. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Speaking yeah. of giving content you to the about user. It, you know, the, the reason we're so engaged is because we care. Like, mm. you, know, it, you know, if we weren't discussing these topics, you know, I'd be far more worried about people that just, you know, don't feel passionate enough to to have these sort of conversations and make these suggestions. Like, mm. yeah. The speaking of giving content to the user, um, mm. you know, there's been a bit going on in this podcast recently, a bit of commotion, um, actually quite a bit of drama, and we've got a bit of heat for it, and you know, but we're coming out the other end. It's it's lasagna gate, but. I'm surprised, and I can tell everyone, that 90% of people eat lasagna on Saturday nights because on Saturday I got tagged in about five lasagnas. I only retweeted the ones where there were coleslaw, so big shout-out to So Rare Gunner, 
Dazer and Neil Gold. Um, I'm sorry if I didn't retweet anyone else's lasagna and coleslaw. I appreciate the effort. I know Chris Quirk had a lasagna. He didn't have coleslaw. He shouldn't be getting a shout out, but here we go. Um, but like guys, do keep it coming. Um, and that promise stands. If I ever meet anyone who listens to this podcast in person and there's a lasagna vendor within walking distance, I'll buy you a lasagna with coleslaw. Um, we'll not drag it on because, you know, I'm very aware now. Do you know what's actually really cringe? I'm just too open, but here we go, hackers. You know whenever, like, podcasts or, like, content creators cling on to really small jokes and try to make an in-joke out of something that's shit? I feel that's what lasagna gets becoming. I feel like it's becoming my shitty little in-joke when it's yeah, fucking yeah. lasagna and coleslaw. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But here I the am question, again, talking about it three weeks in a row. The question is, <laughs> do you think that the people that shared the pictures of lasagna and coleslaw, are they true fans of lasagna and coleslaw or do they just pop down the shop to get some coleslaw for the likes you know are they just looking to increase their own engagement i tell you what though i respect it do you know what it it gives me untold joy like it gives me so much joy the thought of neil's wife i'm going to just say his wife made the lasagna neil maybe made this lasagna or his mother but let's say neil's wife makes the lasagna and he says dorothy who's called dorothy these days but he says dorothy I just need to pop down to the shop to get the such and such or, oh, geez, we're, we're low on milk there. And he, he gets there, but he's really there and he knows he's only going for coleslaw. And he, but he doesn't want to tell his wife that he's getting coleslaw for the lasagna because the guy in the podcast said that coleslaw goes with lasagna because he knows that that's a bit like, for fuck's sake, Neil, do you know? But he goes down anyway, he brings the milk and he also slips the coleslaw and he says, do you know what? I thought it would be nice to try this. And then he takes the wee photo on the slide and posts it to social media. That gives me so much joy. The thought of someone going to that effort to get the coleslaw. Like, I love that. So I don't care. I'll give I'll give anyone a retweet who shares the lasagna and coleslaw. Mm-hmm. See, if you're a new content creator and you want me to promote your work, just put lasagna and coleslaw there and, you know, it's getting retweeted, baby. I'll even stick it in my Instagram. Um, in, in fact, Emily, get Gary V on the line. We'll get him to promote it. <laughs> One thirty-seven p.m. They have a lot of Instagram channels. But anyway, I've been told to, to say less. So off we go. Um, coleslaw, thanks to everyone for sharing. Um, that is this week's lasagna and coleslaw segment. It is becoming a cringe in-joke. I'm well aware of it. And we'll try and move on next week. What else do we have? We're going to talk about restructuring. Before we do, I want to throw something at you. The uniques. There are a lot of uniques that haven't been auctioned yet. I'm going to try and find the tweet from YNWA. What's your initial take on this, if I say that to you? I think there's a lot of cards that haven't been auctioned yet. You know, Uniques obviously are a very, very prominent example of that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know what's going on with it, because I remember there was a you know, time a while back where it sort of felt like they were just sort of getting rid of all the old J-League and K-League cards when the season ended. And then I was like, oh, well, then, then they'll transition on to you know, the, the, this cards of, you know, leagues that are active, but then we just haven't seen them. Like, you know, the one that's, you know, the, the uniques I'll sort of come to in a second, but the one that I saw the last week is that they have cards minted, new season cards minted for Boca, Velez and Newell's in Argentina, but they haven't been auctioned yet. They're just sat there minted and they haven't made to auction. So hmm. I yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, the Uniques one is... I don't, I don't know how I feel about this, to be honest, because the challenge with Uniques is that there is 
they only auction them when they hit a big L5 number. You know, they're looking to optimize their revenue by auctioning them when they're on form. So that I understand from a revenue perspective, but it does kind of lock in the status quo of who's playing at D1. Because unless you come in with an insane bank balance, you're not going to win. I mean, I'll find you're not going to win an auction. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to win an auction off those players. And also as well, like it makes it a lot easier for those people that are currently playing D1 to mark any potential competition out of playing D1 because you just make sure that you win the auctions of the key cards that come through. Mm. So for me, I think it's an interesting balance between so rare wanting to optimize revenue and absolutely i want them to do that i want so rare to be sustainable i want so rare to be looking at you know how do they maximize their revenue um you know they've, they've done some things in the past that i was like that's just silly from revenue maximization like giving away jersey mints you know, I got you know jersey, mint jersey mint, so why are you giving them as rewards nobody would complain if they didn't get a jersey mint as a reward Whereas you know that you might get 10, 15% extra in revenue by auctioning that, then why not auction it? Mm. Um, but the Uniques one is interesting for me because I, I mean, I actually sold my Unique, which we'll come on to in a minute in, in regards to restructuring because I just had no possibility of using it. And it was impossible for me to build another Unique, uh, to, more Uniques around it because they only get auctioned when they are like absolutely tip top form. And then you've got 10, 15 other managers that are playing D1 going, oh, well, I can't let them have that because that they then become competition. So it's uh, it's an odd balance for me because on a personal level, I would like to, them to auction some under 23s that haven't made the team yet so that I can use my scouting to be able to go, you know, brilliant. I grab this guy now and I hold him for a year and I, you know, I, I can then like work to playing D1 in a year's time. But then at the same time, it doesn't make sense from Soros perspective to be auctioning uniques. You know, that's their their you know highest value assets. It doesn't make sense mm. for them to be auctioning it off of the cheap. So yeah, it's a hard one for me to say, you know, I, I But I, I think have like positives and negatives about it, to be honest. Um, I think with like tier ones or whatever, like yeah, you've a first like that's a fair statement in terms of like wait till they're on form. I don't think it matters what form Messi's in or Mbappe. Maybe no. Neymar, I don't know. Then Verts, Kimmich, Cruz, Vinicius Jr., yeah. Courtois, yeah. Alfonso Davies, Bellingham, Oblak, Neuer, Goretzka, Musiala, Latora Martinez, Gravenberch, Felix, Van de Vert, Pamacano, Sani, Magnan, Marquinhos, Lang, Chiesa, a few more, Griezmann, Cherky, Gavi, Makoko, Anthony, Doku, Dabala, Delict, Mendez, Malin, Reina, Demir, Jonathan David, and DeLong, De, De Jong, not DeLong, to name but a few, says YNWA. I mean, that yeah. is a lot of cards who you could argue for the, the majority of them, form isn't really a factor. Um, I mean, no, it always is, but it isn't. No, I mean, those those type of players are, you know, they're, they're, they're like solid L40 kind of players, like they're yeah. always going to be scoring well. Um, so then it, to me, it just doesn't make sense why they're not auctioning them. I think um, they have to auction them all by the end of the season. They drop them all in one month. The wheels run out of money. And income, income we, yeah. Well, that's, we can hope. That's over ambitious. That's but then again, like they haven't, they haven't always auctioned all of the top uniques. You know, if we were mm. to look back at last season's car, last season's cards, I imagine there'll be a few players that we would identify and going, why didn't they mint that? Mm. You know, one one theory I had a while ago, and this is just completely speculative, is 
what the impact of adding limited is onto their infrastructure. Because if you look at it at the moment, we're getting like one auction. Hang on, let me open this up. I just wanted to like validate this. So we are currently getting about five auctions a minute at the moment because of the volume of limited cards. What, with the tech infrastructure that they currently have, what's the capacity? You know, that was one of the theories I had before was like, can so rare increase their auction rate with their current tech infrastructure? Because that might be impacting on why certain stuff hasn't been auctioned yet is because they've only got a finite amount of slots that they can use to fill with auctions. Mm. And they tend to keep the big hitters for the power hour. So then it's like, you know, how many power hours do you have in order to get all of those players through? It just, it feels like it's, you know, potentially just a log jam with regards to the increase in the amount of cards that are in circulation with the new licenses and with limiteds. But that could just be complete nonsense and someone could call me out on Twitter and tell me. What if D1's a closed shop, all the whales have the best uniques, and if they put more uniques out there, it opens the door for more people to compete in D1, which will piss off the biggest investors in the platform. Conspiracy. Where's the tin hats at, baby? No. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm I don't not buy that the, either. I'm just throwing out. Yeah, I'm not into the conspiracy stuff. I, I think that... I think it could just come back down to um, staffing. You know, it yeah. feels like... A lot of their challenges have been as a result of being fairly slow to expand the team, and I, I appreciate they're getting they're getting there now. But it did feel like there was a big lag between getting the investment and you know really sort of scaling up the the team and the hires. And you know, perhaps it's just that you know they haven't had enough focus on it. Perhaps they haven't had somebody looking ahead. They, perhaps they haven't even had someone actually point out to them how many are left and like, mm. they haven't actually monitored it. They haven't ordered it. And they've just suddenly gone, Oh yeah. Anyway, we do have quite a lot left. Cause I mm. noticed at the end of last season, they did actually dump a lot of uniques at the end of the challenger season. Um, so there were a few players that were, were thrown into auctions when the season ended. So, but then, you know, it, yeah, I don't have an explanation for it. I've got they a few. They aren't crying out for cash anyway. <laughs> we know that. No, but I, I don't, you know, I, I still don't think that's sort of really any any excuse. I think that, you know, revenue optimization is a huge part of every business. And I think that having a strategy for what they're doing with these, you know, they might have one and we might just not understand it. <laughs> you know, that might be the case, but... Um, it does feel odd from an outsider's perspective looking in why you've got so many cards that would generate them a lot of revenue that haven't found their way to auction and you're, you know, halfway through the season. Right. We're going to talk about restructuring. Before we do that, I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret. I don't know if you get much of this, Tackers. The sure, one surefire way to make me not engage with your Twitter post thread, whatever the fuck it is, is tag me in it when it's completely irrelevant to me. Oh, I just <laughs> mute the conversation. It's like people just saying, hey, come and promote my stuff, even though I'm offering you nothing. You know, if, mm-hmm. if anyone posts things that I like, I'll share it. See what and, and you know, if you tag me in the image along with seven others, you're never getting it shared. I'm sorry. Am I getting a bit too entitled? Am I getting too big for my boots, Techers? But that mm-hmm. grinds my gears when people incessantly tag me in bollocks data shit 
that's nothing to do with me or any player I have purely to be like, hey, look at this. Come and share it. I also get people who always message me looking for free cards. (laughs) I swear to God. Like, proper, like, hey, um, I'm really, like, they, they give me the story about where they're from and the cost of living and whatever else, and then they'll say, like, any chance you could spare a few limiteds? And I'm like, sorry, nope. Good luck in the next giveaway, amigo. Um, anyway, here's John getting too big for his boots. Yeah, Something quite funny exactly. is that we actually have 137 reviews on Spotify. And this podcast is sort of powered by, I suppose you could say, 1.37 p.m. So we're not allowed. No one else can leave a review. No one's allowed to go and leave a review. If you're on Spotify, don't leave any more reviews. Reverse psychology, techers. Do you like that? Uh, <laughs> I'm a fucking dick. But it turns out that um, Spotify listeners are way better than Apple listeners. Apple listeners, as it turns out, are scumbags, which is quite unfortunate. Um, so, Apple, you're allowed to leave reviews. Spotify, you've done your bit. No more, please. Um, okay. Restructuring. So, as I said at the start, I think I'm notoriously hilarious at this. I'll give you a little story. I sold a load of cards, um, like last week maybe, with the idea of like, I'm sick of this. I have too many under 23 forwards that don't play. I'm not utilising them. It's crazy. So I sold like, these aren't all of that ilk, but Marcus Llorente, Max Kakare, Pavlidis, Lucas Lissens, Tiberibo, Cuisance, Adila Shish, Melendo, Zinho van Huysden, Danilo Dohiki, um, Milan van Uyck, Daryl Dyke. They're all the players I sold. Because I was like, I don't need these. I'm not using them any week. They're not winning me anything. So I may as well sell them and upgrade my SO5. Then, what You're did I do? You've been talking about it for six months, John. You know, now's the time. What, what did I do? I went straight in with the money I'd raised and I bought two Pershers super rare cards two cards that won't be usable in so5 with any level of consistency for probably four to six months but i am still very happy with the purchase but i'm absolutely terrible at restructuring i can't hold on to an eth balance i'm like a kid in a candy shop there's too many things i want i want it all and i'm just don't i lack discipline but yeah that'll that'll start off this conversation restructuring you're a bit more disciplined are you I like to think so. Um, I mean, I still can't hold an ETH balance, but I like to I think that so I'm bad at it. Yeah, I'm terrible. I mean, I I actually raised a lot. I made quite a few sales recently. Um, I think I had like it was I had like one point two ETH in my account for all of about three days. <laughs> That's actually impressive. <laughs> I think I think the problem I have is I, I, with restructuring. I I have done quite a lot recently and i know i mentioned it briefly earlier in the podcast but you know i won the unique through one shot and i'd been holding on to it for a very long time with the ambitions that i would play at d2 and it just never materialized to be honest like it was it was investing in an incredible amount of my um sort of overall value of my gallery into a division that really has been hit quite hard with rewards and it just didn't make sense to me to have so much ETH tied up in one card that I could only use in one division. 
you know, occasionally. Mm. So I made the decision to focus more on under 23s with the idea being that if I could sell out of the unique and form a core of a under 23 rare and rare pro team, then I'd get significantly more utility out of that than I would having sat on a, a unique that actually Which wasn't unique was it again? Horovsky uh, of Genk. Okay. Uh, it turns out he's been on an absolute heater since, you know, he's been, he's been absolutely flying. Um, but you know, for me, he was flying in my training team. So it didn't really make a lot of sense for me to be, me to be sitting on him. And I, you know, I, I sold him and I actually looking at the players that I bought in, in his place is, you know, I went and bought a couple of, uh, under 23 goalkeepers. So I bought Osako, I bought Vandervoort, I bought Ravella. Um, I bought Almendra of um, mm. Boca, uh, Thomas Suslov as well of Groningen, um, and CK, who unfortunately about two weeks later got a transfer to Freiburg and, and hasn't played since. But, um, you know, for me, that gave flexibility that would allow me to play D4 and D3 on a more regular basis. And then subsequently, I've been selling out of a lot of other cards to focus on building that and it was exactly the same reason as you to be honest i had a lot of people that were sat in my training teams that weren't really getting close to my so5 teams and just felt like i had a lot of eth tied up just sat in the background and not really doing a lot and that Mm. you know came as a result of me when i started i went very very mls heavy and then the new season auctions came out <laughs> and uh let's just be honest uh the the prices on the on the players that i bought it it, it didn't look good for me mm. to be able to sell them like it would have been selling them at a loss so i chose rather than selling them at a loss i chose to hold on to them and i just said you know what stick them in my stick them in my training gallery and i'll just i'll just play with the strength of the team that i've got and all these reserves i will just be patient i'll wait until the market takes an upturn and then i will sell out and thankfully, um, the MLS dip never came. And uh, I've been able to sell out a lot of cards that I bought in the boom in sort of March, April last year. I've been able to sell those out recently. So, you know, I was selling, I think I sold like 30 cards in a weekend and then put those into, uh, I think, two super rares and, and four rares that were players that were strong enough to really take my playing SO5 lineups to the next level. And I've been quite disciplined with that in regards to which team do I want to strengthen next and, you know, who are my sort of shortlist of players that I'd, I'd like to go and get for that. Um, I tend to be quite flexible with that is I'll always have a list of sort of three or four players for each position that I would be willing to go for because, as we've seen recently, the market can move quite fast. Um, I remember talking to... Uh, Genesis a couple of months ago about how my my next purchase the following weekend was going to be uh, Aurelian Shumeni of Mox, Mo, uh, Monaco. Um, I left it a week and his price jumped from like one ETH to 1.8. So I was talking to Perez about Vinicius Souza. He told me to pick up the Super Rare when it was like 1.2 ETH or something. Yeah. And then it sold for four like three, two months later or something. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, it does. And I think that's why I, I try not to be too heart set on a single target. Mm. I, I'm always trying to look to, you know, how can I build my team for a specific budget? So I will, you know, look to raise funds with the idea of going, okay, well, if I can raise 1.5 ETH, then that allows me to pick up a, you know, a starting midfielder and a starting defender for my under 23 team. And then I will look and evaluate the market based on 
based on that. So I haven't degened into any super rares that I can't use just yet. Although if Zebalos doesn't start the season for Boca, I might be in the very same situation with you of having a, a nice high value super rare that I'm hoping I, gets to the first team sooner rather than later. I, I degen into everything. Like when you but do you know what? Part of me is about right so the super rares I buy, I just think I'm a very patient guy and I'm happy to be patient. I'm incredibly impatient at times too. But for example, like my super rare purchases over the years, over the last year and a half, particularly in the last year, a lot of them are kind of forward thinking under 23, not forward thinking like in terms of like their play style, more in terms of thinking to the future under 23 super rares, thinking that they'll come into the team and I will, or they'll get a move, or something will happen, and all of a sudden, John's an, an under twenty three D two guy. And I think well, I'm very. You, close you have to the that. Kaiser, didn't you? Did I had the Kaiser, the Kaiser yeah. super rare. It's worked out, baby. Um, do you know Toby Lason? He'll be the next to Kaiser. You heard it here. Um, mm. El Hajj hasn't come to fruition. Lucas listens isn't getting game time. But I mean, like Melvin Bard, I got him cheapest chips. He moved, got the move. Looks great. Yeah. Jonathan David wasn't unknown when I got him. Nicholas Raskin, I got cheap enough. He's been scoring pretty well recently. Um, Nico Williams has got the move to Fulham. That looks good. Kulisewski, mm. I probably overpaid for based on what he did. Kakare, whatever else. Fiathe got a move. He's actually putting up good scores. Uh, occasionally. Occasionally, it has to be said. Cole Bassett's got the move. George Bellow's got the move. I could go through them all, but even recently, like I just think, and this is this is going to be something that we look back on in six months, and it's another like, Wesley, and everyone laughs at me. Or it's like, geez, John actually did really well there. I just think there is so much upside with Pershers that I don't care. I think like the, the opportunity cost of the rewards that I could win in the meantime... I think if Timber or is it Alvarez? What's the other? Martinez. Martinez. If he go, if either of them go, or if either of them get like a a bad injury, Scherz is the guy. And all of a sudden, I have an under twenty three for another couple of years. Ajax centre back, and I've got two of his super rares. Just go and look at Timber super rares, and you'll see the logic. Like those two cards that I got for two point one ETH. I don't think now this is okay. Dream scenario. 10 ETH for the two. That's the dream scenario that he literally becomes Timber. That's the dream, right? What's probably more realistic is I don't think it's out of the reason that, or out of the realms of expectation that conservatively they double in value in the next six months. I don't think that's crazy. Equally, Scherz pisses off the AC Milan to be the backup centre-back over there and his, his price just plateaus. Maybe I take a bit of a loss on it, but I just think like the upside there, it wasn't what was on my mind but whenever i had like 2.1 eth in the balance because i'd sold mm. all those players and whenever i seen one of them for sale and then whenever i heard the manager who had that one was mm. it was visa card i think when i heard he was actually selling up mm. and i seen he had two of them i was like oh okay maybe yeah. he'll give me it for cheaper if i buy two so i had a bit of haggling with him mm. and just did it and now Again, that's one for the future. About Bubakar Sumare at Leicester, because I just think like T Elements or someone pisses off. Leicester have made some cracking sort of holding midfielders over the last few years. And I just think he's under 23. And I got him for something like 0.29. I just think like yeah. that's decent value. Suleimana yeah. maybe over. I don't know. I think he's exciting. Adilo Shish, I got him for like 0.6, I think, which I thought was fair considering I sold yeah. the rare for probably 0.2 or something. Yeah. Palacios, back injuries, whatever else. I just think, like, I like buying those players that while in the immediate term they aren't necessarily all guns blazing, let's go win SO5, but it's a case of that in six months, because I know I'm going to be here in six months, 
I can actually push D2. Yeah. Do you know? But maybe it's flawed logic completely. On, on the flip side, I went and I had an ETH balance recently and got completely carried away and just bought a Cody Gakpo. And the reason I bought him was because he was the lowest on market and it just so happens to be the Jersey Mint rookie. And I was like, well, okay, worst case scenario, I'll flip this for a little bit of ETH profit because this shouldn't be the lowest on market. Yeah. But he's like really highly priced at the minute and no one's really buying. But like, yeah. you know, other than that, I don't know. Restructuring yep. to me don't work because I'm too impulsive. <laughs> I'm too scattergun, even though it's the worst thing to do and not what I preach if I ever do tutorial videos. <laughs> mm. I think as well, I think it is a little bit of a luxury for us because we do have more mature galleries. I think yeah. when I first started, I was like absolutely single-mindedly focused on how do I hit that ETH threshold every single week. And I think as that I've built to a point where like, I'm happy with my America team, I'm happy with my challenger team. My global team is just sort of like a mishmash of what's left and, you know, brilliant. Like I just aim to hit E threshold every week with that still. And, you know, if my guys have a good week, then I might be in a mix of the prizes. But once I got to that point of maturity of going, you know, I'm happy with these teams, these teams can challenge on a good week. That was when I shifted more to looking at players from the future. So if you look at, you know, the last two months, I've bought Efrain Alvarez, super rare, Julian Arajo, super rare, Zebalos, super rare, Molina, super rare, and Luca Kromberger, super rare. So I've got the two young lads at LA who I think, you know, would could have a good season. Um, I have you know, the Alvarez, so super rare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I think it's a good season. I, I think he does. So I think he... Um, the exciting thing about him is that they traded away uh, Sebastian Leglet, and he, that was the sort of player that he was sharing minutes with last season. So it sort of feels to me like they've traded away some players with the idea that they internally believe that Alvarez is ready to make a step up. Mm. You know, he doesn't have to make a full step up for me this season, but if he gets you know gets more minutes, then it, it gives me it gives me options. You know, the same with the Bocca boys as well. You know, they're sort of on the fringes of the first team. But I know that, you know, if they do break in, all you have to do is look at what happened to Julian Alvarez's price last season when he became a first team regular. They've got quality that would allow them to, you know, sort of have a pretty extensive price rise if they're playing regularly. And then the other one was was down to a team transfer. So Kronberger was playing for Admira in Austria. And when... Um, Kelvin Yeboah moved to Genoa, he moved to Sturm Graz as a replacement. So you've got this sort of 19-year-old forward who's just suddenly gone to a much stronger team. So, you know, that is what I've been doing recently is, is looking at these, you know, sort of, I, I don't have the ETH to be able to go in and challenge straight away at D3 or even D2 with the Super Reds. You know, you look at the established ones, particularly under 23s, they command quite a hefty premium. So for me, it was all about looking at players that I believe in, that I think within sort of six to 12 months could be first team regulars. And much like you've done with shares, I've just, you know, had a, a slightly different application of it in looking at, at, you know, slightly different teams. But I think that the only way that you're sort of really able to do that is if you already have yeah. teams that you are happy setting to to chase your ETH each week or to That's sort of the, give you a, a level of enjoyment from that SO5 playing. You know, the amount of messages, I get so many messages around 
I'm new. What strategy? Who would you recommend I sign? You know, I even had some people recently saying, oh, I, I saw that you bought X, so I've bought him. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I've bought him to sit in my training teams for three months with the idea that he might be a starter in six. So, yeah. you know, if you're buying him as your first purchase, like it doesn't necessarily make sense for you. And that's why, you know, for me, restructuring is, is very individual because it's mm. about how do you want to run your gallery and, and what makes sense for your gallery? For me, I, yeah. I had, I had, I was looking and I was like, okay, well, I've got three under 23 starting goalkeepers now because I've got David Ochoa as well. So I've got Osako Vandervoort Ochoa. So I was like, okay, well, it makes sense for me to be looking at a couple of under 23 super rares so that I can step into that rare pro division so that I'm getting utility from those under 23 goalkeepers that I've got because otherwise it doesn't really make sense to, to throw them in global because otherwise you've got a, mm. a high priced asset for under 23 that you're not running in that division. So that for me was why I've sort of stepped into those super rares and I was like, okay, I've got the players to play now. You know, Julian Arajo is going to be straight in. Um, and then the other guys are more, you know, Molinas and Zebalos are more like, I believe in them long-term and think they would come in. But if someone were to say to me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm building my first team on so rare, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that they, take the same approach in mm. in regards to restructuring but it's a really important point because like okay i could build a challenger team with the money i've spent on the super rares mm. i could build a more competitive challenger team of a couple of nice players but i could build like a vanekin and burghaus um i could probably build i could swap one of my keepers around wait till Mulder's back use a vandevert or a bodard in there each week or a safanov just one of the under 23s it doesn't quite make the under 23 team um and I could build a challenger team. So maybe that there's more utility. Maybe I could buy one proper premium super rare or rare that could drive that all-star pro team. But for me, because I love under 23s and because I've got such, and it's, it's look, this is again, humble braggy. Look at just where we're at techers. We've been here for a long time. I, but I've been very lucky with when I get into the platform and all that, I hate talking about it like this, but like I've got a really fucking elite under 23 setup in terms of pro and under 23 in terms of under 23 pro and rare the super rares were it's it's yet to be kind of i can't push d2 there yet i want to push d2 there i can but it jeopardizes my d3 or my, my pro at the minute so for me instead of coming in and spending 610 whatever ETH it is on a florian vert super rare i would rather spend that four ETH on six players who could become that in six months do you know and that's just the way i'm doing it because as you say i have the luxury of already having the decent gallery and some people are looking they're like why would you buy why would you spend three eighth on useless super rares that you can't utilize now you should have bought a berghouse super rare that you could deploy in on all-star pro and it's like that's fair but <sighs> it's whatever you're into and, and like another thing i'm thinking restructure wise that i should probably do but it feels wrong like i have all the champion goalkeepers i need do you know i've got thibaut courtois of yan Oblak, who's been shocking i have burn leno who'll get a move i have nubel who plays i have donnarumma who if he didn't make under 23s for whatever reason or if i had to put someone else there he could play like i have champion covered because most weeks i only cover i only play rare i don't really play rare pro it's just too competitive and i don't have good enough super rares but it makes sense for me to ditch the likes of Nubel and go and get an Asian keeper or an MLS keeper to see me through the summer. But on the face of it, swapping Nubel for Kosei Tani or an Asian goalkeeper, 
I, to be fair now, I do actually, I've actually just, this is the luxury of having a big gallery. I've just remembered I've got Brad Guzan and Tyler Miller. They're oh, coming in. Fuck, that's actually going to be amazing. Anyway, forget about Kose Tani. I've got Guzan and Miller, or let's take Kose Tani if I want to run under 23s over the summer. But the bottom line is this. Am I better selling that extra champion keeper that, yes, it's nice, the luxury on Champions League nights and maybe being able to put that extra line up here and, you know, having that bit of freedom and being able to optimise fixtures and stuff. Like, that's always nice. But maybe I should ship out one of those keepers and go and build a full Asian team. I mean, to be honest with you, mate, I, I think you you owe it to your K-League fans to buy a Yan Han Bean. Um... Yang Han who? <laughs> There's someone at home who wants to kill me. Yang Han yeah. Bean. Apparently, he's a pretty big deal. He's, he's fairly decent. Like, to be honest, uh, FC Seoul underperformed quite drastically last season, but I think they are in line for a bit of a bounce back year. So, apparently, you, know, you could do, do a lot worse than Yang Han Bean. But I have been burnt by Kaylee goalkeepers before, so um, mm. tread carefully. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking like it's one of those. My point is, like, to the outside eye, sometimes moves can look absolutely crazy. But, like, whenever you really get to understand your gallery and the balance and where you're at, which I still don't get, by the way, mm. I'm an absolute degenerate, which everyone knows. But, like, for me, losing that champion keeper who might be a really premium card and one you never want to give up, mm. I could legitimately get rid of one of them and probably build a relatively competitive team for the summer based around one of those yeah. MLS keepers. Yeah. Well, it feels like it's uh, a good content opportunity for you as well because you've not. Have you ever really played Asia before? Would this be no. your sort of first? I I had Kikuchi and I had Tani, and I've mm. I had like a Koki Machida at one stage, and I had I might have had one or two other players, um, yeah. but I've never. I don't know if I've ever entered an Asian team. Yeah. I actually don't know if I ever have. Maybe once. Yeah. Well, I think there's some really interesting under twenty threes. Um, you know what I've personally done is I've I've got sort of Van, Van der Voort for my you know European under twenty three team and then I've got a Choa and a Sarko that allows me to run under twenty three rare and rare pro during the summer. Like I'm not running under twenty three rare pro at the moment. I'm just not competitive enough. But I've been building with the idea that I step into rare pro when J League and uh, MLS come back online. Haaland, there was no promo done on his unique. I've seen this, I know a few people, and then we're going to ask, answer some questions. We're going to give this a minute or two. Mm. Haaland's unique. They didn't promote it. No. Did you, did you care? Uh, I think it just comes back to our point earlier about the little things. Um, I think they said yeah. their hands were tied. Yeah, I think they said they, they weren't were. allowed to. I think it's because So Rare are really trying not to be. I think they don't want to be associated in any way, shape, or form with the money side of the platform. Yes, they make hundreds of thousands of pounds, millions mm -hmm. of auctions every week, but they don't want that to be front and center. They don't want that to be on their content. They don't want to share that stuff and they don't want that to be the focal point of So Rare. It's a wholesome, pure platform for collectors, and that's what they want the image to be. So they don't want to share it when it's a 600,000 auction. But they might share it if it's the first ever auction, regardless of the price it goes for, because it's monumental. Or, yeah. do you know, they can they can justify it from a collector standpoint. Yeah. I think they're just playing the game. 
Yeah, and I appreciate that the brand image is is incredibly important. You know, it, perhaps it is a conscious effort to stay away from people thinking it's a get rich quick scheme. Mm. I think as well, we have seen recently lots of um, animosity towards NFTs in general, where every single project, regardless of its credibility, is all bundled together under you know tarred with the same brush so you know perhaps they are you know just conscious of that and and conscious that actually the world has been you know a bit rough for a lot of people for the last couple of years and you know if you know you look at the you know so we've, we've gone full downer today i'm gonna have to stop myself but like you know the challenges with our energy bills in the uk and someone goes oh hang on a minute someone's just spent you know, three mortgages on a on a picture yeah. of Erling Haaland, um, <laughs> it might just you know draw more negative attention than they want. Um, but I don't know. We're second guessing, and let's not let's not go too far. Otherwise, you know, tin four hats will be out on us on Twitter, and you know, all all yeah. sorts is going to kick off. Yeah, I I just think like the Haaland promo. I don't. I think like they realized how big a deal it was. You know, they made their wee Twitter post of like the popcorn and the the Norway flag and whatever else and i'm sure they've done everything they can they feel they can get away with from a sort of company strategy point of view and you just have to kind of trust that i know like i know they're not looking to promote the kind of money side of it all um i just know that from content like because i mean like whenever if i make content if i make something that's like how much money i made on so rare they're never going to retweet that share it engage with it or do anything but if it's some sort of wholesome thing about collecting players or building lineups, they're more open to, to help and sort of get a bit of exposure there um, because that's just the game. Um, but yeah, uh, I just want to thank everyone who reached out to me about being a timestamper. At the end of the last episode, the diehards were still around to put out a call to see if anyone wanted to be the timestamper. So if you're timestamping this episode, you're an absolute legend. Thank you so much for the time you're putting in. Um, we'll jump on to some questions now, techers. The... We'll start with SR Monkey. Where are we at with rewards? <laughs> um, I was feeling quite good up until a couple of hours ago. Um, I think, you know, I had seen some positives recently. So although I don't play, so I, I, I follow every division for rewards, even if I don't play it. So like, I don't play champion, it, you know, I've never, never have, but I do find it interesting to see how so rare reacting to, you know, the increased competition, particularly in that division. So there was a couple of weeks where I think at T3, you needed almost, it was like 355, 357 points. And then the following week, we saw an increase in that division. Um, the, the following week I had like, you know, an extra 20 prizes were tagged on, which I was like, brilliant. Like, you know, they are adjusting to increased user base, increased competition to make it feel achievable. Because I think if you, if you're scoring 350 points on a regular basis and you're not winning anything, then you're going to get pretty disillusioned pretty quickly. So that's a lot of the time why I'm quite critical of rewards because I see the impact on, you know, people wanting to play the game, people, you know, being engaged because at the moment we've got a bit of a void between where do you go once you've hit threshold? 
um, you know, it's easy to get to 205, 250, but then there's a big, big jump to that sort of next level. And why I was always so hot on rewards was if that next level escalates beyond a certain point, then lower tier cards become kind of unusable as we see in super rare at the moment. You know, like if you have a T2, you know, T3, but most of the T2s as well, you just can't really play them anywhere. So there's, there's not a lot of use for them. So I was really positive and really happy that um, we seem to be making progress on that front. But then randomly this week, it seems like they forgot to update under 23s. So I, I really I just, I don't know. It feels like they've dropped the ball on that because we've, you know, if we compare with last weekend, this weekend we've added the Austrian Bundesliga and Argentina have restarted. So you had all the teams that you had last weekend plus these two leagues. Challenger's gone up by 20%. Uh, Global All-Stars gone up by 20%. If you look at the rare divisions, um, under 23 stayed the same, which... Mm just feels mad to me because the number of competitive lineups, particularly in under 23 is going to go up this week because of the amount of elite under 23s that are just in Salzburg. But, mm. you know, Austrian Bundesliga is a very young league. Uh, you look at Austria, Vienna, Rapid Vienna, Sturm Graz, um, you know, they're all very young teams that like they are, you know, it is a league that tends to bring through young players and sell them on to other leagues. So I just find it incredibly hard to believe that their new variable competitive lineups that was designed to try and you know make for a more fair gaming experience hasn't accounted for that so mm. yeah we were feeling good i have seen signs of progress but then you know it felt a bit like you know one step forward two step backwards today with with seeing what happened with regards to the under 23s because if you've seen with the pricing recently there's been a lot of people jumping into the 23s thinking oh brilliant you know Austria is going to be back on soon. Russia is going to be back on soon. Like we're going to get a rewards boost. If they don't get a rewards boost, then they're kind of just, you know, they're, they're undermining the value of those under 23 cards that people have bought based on an understanding that this dynamic hybrid reward system would bring more cards when game week's more competitive. And, you know, Salzburg, you can run a full under 23 stat goalkeeper and all. So, uh, you know, there's going to be quite a few of them out this weekend and there will be a few of them out in the coming weekends because of the strength of that team versus the division. You know, they're kind of like Ajax, but with more rotation. So, um, yeah, good. But I don't know. I People criticize me for moaning, but I think I just have, you know, I have high standards. I want to see the team do well. And the one thing that really does bug me is inconsistency. So mm. when you see the adding two leagues has had an impact on two out of three of the divisions that, 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 you know, that league brings players from, it just, it just baffles me that how something like that has, has slipped through the net. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those, again, I don't love being a big Debbie Downer and I genuinely, I generally don't get too wound up about much. Um, in regards to where I just kind of deal with it and even this I feel like I should be more annoyed because like I've literally went and like more than half my gallery I'd say way more than half my gallery are under 23s and I've got some pretty premium ones like I literally bought two Trents to stick in under 23s I've got a Donnarumma I've got a Verts I've got a Gakbo I've got a Koku I've got and I build teams in under 23 first every single week and that is entrusting that so rare will monitor those rewards accordingly and increase them when they need increased and decrease them when they need decreased. But mm. 
it's not something I actively follow, but you do. And to know that I'm sitting here making my under-23 teams and throwing them in, but it's not at all the optimal way to play the game and maybe the rewards haven't been adjusted fairly. It's just, it is a bit, it's it's quite bad, I think, really. Um, and I don't yeah. think I would be, I don't think it would be wrong of me to, to get quite annoyed about that. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. And this is the thing is, is you know, I, I take a lot of stick and, you know, there's always the same the same accounts that dive into my mentions every time I, I even so much as raise rewards. But if you look at what I've, I've said on the topic in the past, it's not always me going, there needs to be more rewards because I've mentioned in the past weeks where I think rewards are too generous relative to the teams. But I think it, it comes back to that point earlier of, you know, you saying about the team not being able to play the game. And I understand the legal reasons for that, but it sometimes feels like they drop the ball because they're not as close to it as we are. Like, you know, immediately, you know, myself and yourself are like, oh, you know, Austria's coming back. Watch out for the Salzburg stacks. Like, intuitively, we know that under 23 is going to be more difficult this weekend because you've got some big hitters coming back online. You know, Boca as well. You know, Julian Alvarez is playing for River. Like, there's some absolutely elite under 23s coming back online this weekend that is going to push the score up required to win. And what frustrates me the most is that, we've had weeks where people won cards for zero points. So it's like, you're going to have a week now. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see under 23, if they leave the prize as they are, 360 points for a T3. Mm. Like genuinely because of like who's playing and the amount of elite cards and the volume of cards allow more people to com- to build competitive teams. Should so, I like- stick all my under 23s into All-Star Rare and All-Star Rare Pro? Differential City. Who plays Trent there, baby? When he scores wow. his hundred, who who plays Trent there? Yeah. Risk is though, mate. You might win a <laughs> Korean backup goalkeeper, mightn't you? So you know that's your... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay, I'll stay away from that um, idea. But yeah, but yeah, it's consistency that bugs me mostly. And and I, you know, I monitor the rewards. So I built the tracker originally as part of a strategy. You know, I was looking to be like, you know, if I've got the choice between deploying in Challenger or Global or America or under twenty three where can I deploy for the best yield? And it very quickly became apparent to me that it just, it was pretty wild and it wasn't consistent. And and that's sort of why I've sort of been on a bit of a crusade about it since is because, you know, and, and I say this and people, a lot of the negative feedback I seem to get from people is why are you complaining about rewards you're winning? But I bring it up because it, it impacts people who win less frequently more than impacts people that win frequently. And, you know, give an example, you know, you've got a lot of people that win every single week. Like they have such strength in their depth in their gallery that they're winning every single week. So if they don't win one week or there's a problem with the rewards tiers or something like that, then they're just like, oh, well, another team will win or I'll win again next week. Whereas if you're someone that wins one reward every six months, or, you know, you are someone that has a, a team that has, you know, comes into form one week and you're like, amazing. I've just smacked 350 points. I've broken 350 points for the very first time ever. Like that's a momentous, like 350 points is not easy to get. Like that's a, that's a hell of a total. And if you've won that once, and that's the week that, you know, randomly the reward near you know, the random number generators spat, spat out a lower number, then 
you know, you might not get that points total again for another four, five, six months. So that's why, I, you know, it's all about fairness for me. And it's like, you know, I'm going to win. You know, I, I win quite regularly. Like I can't complain with the amount that I win. But what does bug me is that inconsistency with regards mm. to how volatile the points required to win can be if the rewards numbers aren't relative and they don't scale properly. And that's why I'm annoyed about under 23s this week is because, you know, I could put in a quite a strong under 23 team this week and still get battered because mm. there's going to be a load more players playing. Whereas, you know, the other week, Tur- there's like a challenger week for Turkey, for example, and they, they threw out a hundred prizes for that. And people were winning with like 73 points. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it feels like they just overlook stuff. And that's what frustrates me because it's like the community could help them. You know, there's yeah. a lot of people within the community that could help them nip this stuff in the bud, but they seem to launch stuff. And then there's a reluctance to make changes once the game week is open, but often they only notice stuff once the game week is open and people are like, whoa, hold on a minute. What's happened there? Look, I, I don't think you need to justify your frustration in any sense. Not that you're necessarily trying to, but like, you know, people are deb- people poke fun on Twitter for anything. I, I love that you and Perez and whoever else, you're, you're the two that I go to, but I know there's many more who do it as well. But for everyone who keeps the eye on rewards and, and does pester so rare about it and does highlight it to everyone else, I think it's really important because mm-hmm. it shouldn't be this inconsistent confusing system that everyone struggles to understand and then you know it should just be it should just be right and that you can we shouldn't have to talk about it but the bottom line is it has to be spoken about because it is a fucking shit show Um, that sounds like a a dalmatian shaking it is absolutely it is (laughs) um but i could hear those big ears but um The anyway, look, we'll try and bang out a few questions here before we wrap up. I gibbered on way more than usual on this podcast, which is maybe maybe I gibber on this much every podcast. But bottom line is, we're coming up um on hundred and twenty minutes. So, question from McBradius: What do you think card prices be like in summer, specifically MLS and Asia, who are playing compared to Euro cards who'll have no games and no Euros this year? It's interesting. I think like um the uh, you know like everyone was waiting for the MLS off season and it never really came or the MLS like dip and it never really came or something. I wonder will the yeah. Euro cards be the same this summer. I think they will personally, but I do think we'll see a lot of money panicking and moving into MLS in Asia. And that's why I kind of want to build that team now, even though I should have built it two or three months ago. Now is kind of peak hype, but they're coming back. Maybe mm. I, I should actually build it in like two months. It's hard to know, but this summer is going to be a, a quiet couple of months. If you don't have MLS or Asia, yeah, absolutely. I think the sort of the really interesting thing last season was the fact that we had the Euros. So mm. what, you know, and I, I got a bit stung by it, to be honest, and it's taken me months to sell out of those positions. But I bought a lot of MLS players that I felt were undervalued relative to other MLS players, thinking, oh, what's going to happen is when the European season finishes, people are going to want to come in to build a team to play through the summer, to grind threshold. And they're more likely to gravitate towards MLS than they are Asia based on the ease of being able to research players in a language that they're familiar with. Mm. So that was my logic behind moving into MLS. Unfortunately, what happened is it took Surya quite a while to launch the cards. It was quite a long way into the season before they appeared. And then when they did, they really, really maxed out the frequency mm. of auctions. 
So it flooded the market in a really short period of time and dragged the prices down. And it, they stayed low throughout the entire season. And I think what happened recently was everyone's going, oh, it's going to be an off-season dip. And what actually happened is the as the European cards appreciated in value, everyone looked over and went, well, hang on a minute. If Morioka is 1.6 ETH and Gil scores pretty much the same as Morioka, why is Gil 0.6? Mm. And there were a lot of comparisons like that drawn where people were sort of looking across the pond and going, okay, well, hang on a minute, like that doesn't make sense. And then what we had was the dip never came because everyone was going, oh, whoa, yeah, no, of course I'm going to grab Gil for 0.6 when, mm. you know, Morioka's trading for almost two. And and what that's brought up is it's, it's raised the bar with all of these MLS cards. And you've seen the same with Asia. There's been some elite hitters in Asia, like Sassinia that have risen, uh, Kikuchi. And the, the question now is what next? And I think that that's actually quite difficult to say because it depends on demand because we're going to see an in, a massive increase in supply when all of the new season cards come in. Are, are there going to be enough extra people wanting to build MLS and Asian teams to sustain the prices that we've current got, currently got? And the other question is, are the rewards going to be enough to keep people engaged? Because what you could have is a sell-off. If people, if people, like, people are in hype mode now, you know, the thing that I find mad is that River Plate have an absolute logjam with regards to midfielders at the moment. They signed Barco, they had Pavlicino, they've got Dela Cruz, uh, they've got uh, Perez, they've got so many players. And at the moment, there's about six midfielders that are priced as if they're starters because people are speculating and because they're hyping. The moment that the starters are locked in, there's no more speculation. Like you know who the starters are and the prices will adjust accordingly. So I don't believe that the MLS prices cards will continue rising at the rate that they've had. Mm. We could even see a check back when the new season cards come out. But the, I then also could be proven wrong on this if we see a massive influx of new users. So it's a really delicate balance between supply and demand. But I think that the rapid rate of rise of price for the MLS cards recently was the market recalibrating based on scores and, and the fact that it took a while for the MLS to recover from a fairly rapid auction rate last summer. So, yeah, potentially a very long-winded answer to your question. But I think that, in my mind, explains what happened in the past and why we suddenly had that market rebalancing. But personally, I don't think they keep rising at the rate they are rising. I think we will see a plateauing effect of them. Mm. In the interest of time, I'll just ask a couple more. I won't even chirp in. The Perez wants to know if your answer were for 12 months, what are the core changes you'd implement apart from bidding off the rewards team on day one? So if I was <laughs> to give you a couple of minutes to answer that, what would you say? I think it's a difficult one. I think there's, you know, the to be honest, there's, there's probably not a lot that I would do that they are not now already addressing i think the the biggest one is hiring is building out the team i feel that they were potentially a little bit slow on that front and that's you know that's why you know we feel like things have been dragging on for a while because we're so engaged is because it's taken so rare a while to get the right people in and don't get me wrong it's important to make sure you get the right people in so i can appreciate that they might have taken their time on that but i feel that scaling the hiring is is you know is issue number one for them at the moment because they need a quality team to deliver on all their promises and keep the rapid rate of growth 
Um, I suppose the one other thing as well, and it's been quite interesting reading some of the the Discord conversations in the past. And, you know, it feels like there's been a bit of friction recently with the team getting fed up with people, you know, being quite hard on them. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the classic football manager sideline shout of don't get complacent. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I saw there was a rather interesting comment um, the other week. I can't remember what it was, but a lot of people were getting, you know, quite critical of the devs because I think it was when the, the site was like down for a little bit. And, then, you know, there's a feeling that constantly stuff was put into production um, without real adequate testing. And we were, you know, constantly like getting bugs around, you know, like game select, team selection and stuff like that. And there was a comment back from, uh, one of the server team about, you know, oh, you know, you're essentially criticizing the people that built the game. Mm. And I was like, I, I know, I understand that, but it's like, you know, you've got to, and this wasn't me, by the way, this is just me viewing comments yeah. in there. It, it felt like that comment was like, oh, you know, but we've been successful to this point. So, you know, your feedback isn't valid was sort of how I read between the lines on that. And, you know, I think that's a dangerous position to be in is if you think, oh, you know, because we have had this success, that that success is just going to keep on, on rolling. So it feels like, huh? Absolutely. Manchester United. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is the thing is I'm, you know, I'm ultimately not the the CEO of Soros. So it's a fairly difficult question to answer, but I think it feels like they are on the right path, but they've been slower than most people would have liked them to be. Mm especially with just how quick moving everything Web3 is. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Um, but I, I think yeah, hiring is important, and I think they do need to build out a data team. Um, mm. that, that's, you know, one thing that I think is, you know, sort of I'll only comment on on areas that, you know, I, I sort of feel I have uh, an understanding of. And, you know, sometimes it does feel like, you know, having – someone with an economy economist background would really help them with things like valuation of the pools, calculating the prizes, um, you know, forecasting auctions, for example, you know, you know, modeling auction rates and modeling revenue maximization, you know, all the boring stuff like that, that, that builds a fundamentally strong business and takes them out of, you know, being a early stage startup and in, and into that sort of genuine growth um, scale up phase. Paul Moorcroft asked one for me. He says, great guest, question for me. Uh, did you feel a little bit sick or have the slightest temptation to cancel, have the slightest temptation to cancel your giveaway when Fig won it? So on my vlog, I did a giveaway where one of the people who commented below won the Frankie De Jong Limited. And uh, a guy, so rare guide now, as he's known, who used to be football index guide Fig, uh, who had a bit of history of the past, won the competition, which is quite funny. The 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 bridge has since been built, uh, but it was funny. Um that I, I wasn't going to cancel the giveaway. That would be far too petty, Paul, but it was very funny, uh, given the history. Well, at least people know you're genuine. And I know there was another comment on the tweets uh, around inauthentic giveaways. So at least they know oh, that, yeah. you know, Nellis giveaways are credible. Yeah, give them to anyone. No. <laughs> What's your view? That's from Sav2000. What's your view on Relentless Clearly Fake Giveaways been run by random accounts in the Twitter timeline? Giveaways are a funny <sighs> one, right? I mean... Yeah, I, I, this is the thing is I, I just kind of ignore it, to be honest. Mm. I actually stopped doing giveaways because I did one and someone was like tearing into me for it being fake because I hadn't drawn it within like six hours of me saying the closing time. 
And I was like, mate, I've yeah. got a full-time job. Chill out. Like, yeah. let me do the draw. And and it just, I think it just it's created a toxic atmosphere that I've sort of stepped away from it. So it, it yeah, I just. There was the, the old view, the thing that kind of made me a bit, so I used to do a few giveaways. I, I basically, you know, to incentivize people to sign up and pay me money. Do you know, mm-hmm. people who sign up to Soro through my link, I get money. I give away a card. Do you know, it incentivizes people to do that. They win, I win, everyone wins. But apparently that just looks a wee bit, or some people, albeit a very minor few, I think, find that a little bit unauthentic or a bit kind of like you're acting like you're being good, but really you're just doing it to get the signups or something. Do you know yeah, I think really... there's ones recently that have been just completely and utterly faked for the for the likes. Like the there was followers. a guy that was like, "Oh, I'm going to give away Ronaldo because some guy's bid not point not seven ETH," and it was like, "Mate, that's clearly gone to your second account. Like, stop being so yeah, desperate for followers." Like, yeah, I don't yeah. like I you know I run I don't really care about how many followers I've got. Like, I run Twitter because I enjoy talking about football and I enjoy having conversations mm-hmm. about it. So rare, but it feels like some people are just very very desperate for attention well you see i do that where i do giveaways but i think i justify it because it's about content i would love to be i would love to be a full-time so rare content creator football content but you actually creator. give the prizes away i, I think yeah. i interpreted sab's comment as in like people that are claiming to give stuff away and actually oh yeah they... he is he's he is he's given yeah. about fake ones but i think yeah. like even just the, the whole giveaway thing as a as a concept like I don't mind giving away because it is essentially giving back for everyone who uses my link or people who view my content. Mm-hmm. I don't monetize my content outside the affiliate scheme. I don't have ads on anything. This mm-hmm. podcast isn't even sponsored yet one day, but I think it's a funny one. Like people who give away a card, but it's worth like two quid. Do you know, it's just a shit limited that no one wants. It's like, <laughs> you know, who wants it? You're like, it's, it's almost like false market. Do you know, it's like, I get it. Anyone who gives away something worth something that, you know they're giving back or whatever i'm all about that but people who are just you're either you don't really do the giveaway there was one before it happened where someone actually didn't give it away um or their mate won it or some bollocks I remember, what the fuck was that anyway giveaways are a funny one i tread carefully mm-hmm. when i do them but i do do them um we'll answer look this is probably gonna be the longest podcast ever i hope you don't need to go somewhere we have the 137 game to do but i feel bad because i gibbered on too long um Here's one, and we'll go. F.I. Gardner, if the Premier League gets announced, how do you see this affecting current card prices? That's a snappy one. Uh, positively, I think uh, something... It can't be bad. No, I think, you know, what, what you have to think about is that the Premier League will be an entry point for thousands and thousands of new managers, and once people get involved and they learn the game a little bit more, they'll they'll be in the position where you are, where you're going, oh, you know what, I might dip my toes into Asia, or I might dip my toes mm. into America. So it acts as a point of entry, and once people are in, once people are playing, then that you know they're more likely to be looking elsewhere and gravitating towards the the best performing cards and and they come from all over you know that it is a global game at the end of the day people will come in looking you know wanting to build their arsenal or their man city or their you know we've already got liverpool stacks obviously but you know once they've done that it'll be what next and i think that mm. happens so frequently with so rare is you're always looking to mm. you know where do you go next for your team so yeah i just i just see yeah, it as a huge positive to be honest and We'll be very excited to see it added to the platform. Yeah, let's fingers crossed. Um, people are all excited about the SPFL, and I seen something today actually. I don't know, did you see it? This wasn't meant to be on the podcast, and we're not going to talk about it based on time. But Ultimate Champions, which is another thing I've mentioned, have welcomed Hibs to their NFT platform. I don't know what their licensing involves, but they are 
a competitor of Sorare, um, albeit much smaller at this stage. But they are a fantasy game. They aren't just a collectible game. Do you know, they're a, they're a fantasy game. So I imagine it falls under the same license. So I don't know if they've went in and nipped it. If Sorare let that slip, but the SPFL mm-hmm. as a whole, Al Haibi could be a bit bit gutted. Um, but that's just a throw it out there. I don't know how much what that actually means for licensing. We'll do the one thirty seven game. Look like. <laughs> yeah um please let me know so yeah i just wanted to thank what did i want to thank i didn't want to thank anyone i've thanked enough people 137 game last time we played it you were you did very well actually you had 131 you were the first one to come in with a double defender strategy looking for two clean sheets you had 131 points with arias and mina i think it was yeah um who would you like to pick for the upcoming game week? Two four four, I believe it is. Uh, I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna follow the same approach and hope that they squeeze a few more points out for me. Um, and, and it's actually I'm, I'm I'm sorry to say this, but I completely forgot about the 37 game, and I, Man, I, I forget every week. I forget every week. Happened. Yeah, it needs. So I, do you know what? It needs the thing is I don't really tell anyone anymore because I don't think it needs a lot of planning. Um, no. It can, but I think I mean it needs a restructure. Suggestions. That's the call for this week. The diehards are still here. Suggestions for the one thirty seven game and how we can spice it up or incorporate one thirty seven into a game. Maybe we just need a big fuck off prize. No one wants a table, it seems. Um, oh, well, no. But anyway, go on. Pick two off the top of your bat. Uh, Van Hendrik Van Kronbrugge and Wesley Hout, who are playing Zulta this weekend. So I'm hoping for a clean sheet from that one. A couple of weeks ago, I think Josh Josh Fourth picked um, Hout and someone else, two Anderlecht players. So and as I've been doing this, I've just realised that ten hours ago, Hendrik Van Kronbrugge has joined Sora because he's oh. uh, he's just had his card minted with his signature on it. Wonder how quick he'll sell it. Has he listed it yet? He hasn't. No, not listed. He hasn't. Well, look, Techers, we've talked long enough. Thank you so much for joining me. People can find you on Twitter, and you have a Patreon account. Uh, you put out sort of game week roundups, don't you? Or not roundups? I suppose looking ahead. What's your term for it? Game week previews. Yeah, so, that would be the word. Yeah, game week previews, um, scouting reports, um, and also yeah, just generally. Sharing interesting data and insights that I think help help people play the game. So one of the most recent articles I did was was uh, twenty two under twenty threes that I think will have a breakout year. So it, it covers a range of topics, um, all about so rare and extracting value and, and just looking to get an edge in the game. Cool. Well, people should check that out. We'll put a link in the description. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Please do leave a review on Spotify or Apple. It'll take you like 10 seconds and I will stop calling you a scumbag. We'll have another great guest next week. I will chat to you soon. Have a great weekend.